Okay, morning everyone. Good morning. It's so good to see you. Look at you lovely faces. So great. Hey, turn to the person next to you and just say, I, I'm so glad I got to sit next to you today. Yeah, yeah, or close to. For those of you who haven't sort of scrunched up, you might have to sort of speak up. But. Hey, what, a, what, an, what an incredible song that was. I don't know if you've heard that song before, but I love those words. And in fact, in pre-service prayer, I was just praying those words. I didn't realize we were going to sing it today. And, and just in our time of worship, I found I couldn't really express those words today. I couldn't sing that chorus, Be Enthroned. Upon the praises of a thousand generations. And, you know, I reflect on my own family and the fact that somebody shared the gospel with my grandparents. And that is a legacy that runs through my children today. Because somebody stepped out. Somebody honored God by sharing with my grandma, sharing with my granddad. Billy, uh, my father-in-law got saved at a Billy Graham crusade. I mean, just the legacy of the work of God. And the fact that generation after generation expresses praise. And we want to be a make a difference church. You know, you want to invest your life in something that will last. You want to give yourself, you want to give your money, you want to give your time to something that is truly worth it, that will echo in eternity. Can I encourage you to get on board with what God is doing? And understand that he calls each and every one of us to make a difference. Because whether you are somebody who has kids or will ever have kids, you have the, you have the opportunity to create spiritual children and spiritual grandchildren and through, through your testimony, through your life. And, and generation after generation of, of those people will surround the throne in eternity. What are you living for today? What are you giving yourself today? Where's your effort? Where's your energy? What are you desperate to accomplish in your life? Can I encourage you as we look today at Ephesians 2 and and, and partway through it, I want you to understand that God is at work and he wants to use you and me to accomplish it. I'm sort of giving away the secrets that are to come in our message by, uh, by going off peace. But God's just stirred something in me this morning and I want to share that with you. I want, I'm praying that through what I share this morning, through what God has laid on my heart, that, that what is accomplished in you and through you will go far beyond our time together. These brief moments, only, only a short time. But my prayer is that God would accomplish something that changes how you see the way you live tomorrow. Can we pray? Can we pray? God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this incredible book of Ephesians. And Lord God, I pray that we would see what it is that we need to see today. Would we hear your word? Would we hear your voice? And God, I pray that by your spirit, by your grace, would you bring change? Would you bring transformation? That we might be a people who make a difference, not just temporarily, but a lasting difference, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you turn with me to Ephesians 2. We're going to read from verse 8 to 10. Just three verses today. And if you didn't bring your Bible, um, you might even have it on a device and you want to read along. If not, you can just sit comfortably and I'm going to read to you. Okay? If you don't have your Bible, you're not going to miss out. 
Let's read together Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we, for you, for me, for all of us, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Up until now, in this passage, in Ephesians, Paul has been telling us the story of God that we are caught up in. It's all been about you have this incredible, incredible spiritual blessing. You're chosen. You're redeemed. You're sealed. You, you, when, and Paul's praying, would you know the hope of this? Would you know you're an incredible inheritance? Would you know the incomparably great power for us who believe? You, you need to understand that the gospel has moved you from death to life. And that is a work of God in your life. That is a work of his power. That is a work of his love and mercy and grace. It has all been about the story of God that you and I from eternity past to everlasting future are swept up in. And if you think those words are really cool, they're not mine. Eternity past to everlasting future, we are swept up in it. And, And for the first time in the book of Ephesians, Paul mentions works. He mentions that you and I were created to do good works. But he prefaces that by reminding us again that it's by grace we've been saved. Why? Because he doesn't want us to now get confused and think, okay, this is all this cool stuff that we're given by grace, and now I've got to do stuff. Now it's on me. No. You need to understand that the good works that Paul is referring to here are all by grace. And so he reminds us, he says, look, it is by grace you've been saved. It is as a free gift. Your salvation. Remember, you were stuck in your transgressions and in your sins. You were stuck in a way of life that that, that wasn't distinctive. It just pointed to everyone else. You followed the ways of the world. You followed Satan. You followed the king, ruler of the kingdom of the air. You've, and we talked about that last week. I explained that more softly last week. <laughs> Today I'm just saying it. And you followed your own ways. You followed your own sinful nature. You lived a life that pointed, was not distinctive. You pointed to everything else. And you pointed to yourself. And by grace, God rescued you from that. You lived a life that was stuck in it. But God, by His grace, as a free gift, has rescued you from it. It was, if, if, if rescuing you cost the life of the Son of God, what on earth could you ever do to repay that? What works could you ever conjure up? What money could you ever pull together that would get anywhere close? Jenny and I, when I used to work in the UK, we used to get invited to one of the senior partners' houses with all of the office for barbecues a couple of times a year. And the first time Jenny and I went, we thought, well, we, be- we better take something. You know, we better take an offering. And, and so we took a bottle of wine. And uh, it would have just been from Tesco's, you know, whatever. What do you call it? You know, pack and save, new world, whatever. You know, it was probably a reasonable bottle. But... And, and we turned up and we, and we, you know, put it on the side. And they're like, oh, thanks, cool. And then he says, right, here's my wine cellar. And um, there's a fridge here, and then basically the beer fridge and the, coal, the white wine fridge, that's at the bottom of the garden, in a fridge that probably costs more than my house. And, um, and, and, and sometimes you'd go there, and there would be this huge 
um, pork spit roast. You know, this just giant barbecue. And, and I couldn't even finish it. Okay, that tells you how big it was. I tried. I kept going back for more. And, and all of it was just free. All of it was just, this is just a gift. This is just for all of you guys. I just want to bless you. I just want to pull everyone together. We're just going to have a celebration together. My tiny, pokey bottle of wine that wasn't even as expensive as the, the, the bottle that his wine was in, let alone the actual wine, you know? It was just, what could I ever do to pay for that? What could I ever do to pay for that? So in the end, whenever we went back, we stopped bringing stuff. <laughs> we just said, thank you. <laughs> and that's what God wants. There's no way you and I could ever repay what God has done for us. Just say thank you and receive it freely. So how do we do it? We receive it by faith. That word faith means trust. It means confidence. It means belief. I believe that the death and the resurrection of Christ on my behalf is enough to make me right with God. It's enough. And I just wonder today whether some of you are just having a few wobbles. That you know it's by grace that you know that God has given you this as a free gift. You started in faith. You started believing that Jesus' grace was enough for you. But maybe in life you're just going through a few speed wobbles at the moment and you're wondering, is it enough? You know, I have these moments where I'm preparing a message and I'm like, is God actually going to speak to me? Have I prayed enough? Have I done enough? Have Have I obeyed God? As I think through the week, have I said yes to God enough this week? Have I, have I messed up? And I, and I do this. I've come across this verse. And I'm going to show you now in Hebrews 13. Is it Hebrews 13, Jonathan? Or 12? You'll put it up there. 13, 9. There we go. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods. That was to do with the Hebrew, the, the, the people that the writer of Hebrews was writing to. And he was saying, you can, you can try and do good stuff. You can try and obey the law. You can try and please God. But I want to remind you that it's actually good for your hearts not to be strengthened by what you do, but by grace. And as I come to those moments, I say, God, I want to strengthen my heart in grace today. No, I haven't done enough. I could never do enough. No, I haven't prayed enough. Who could ever pray enough? God, I'm not good enough for you to use me. But here I am anyway. I remind myself that your work in me and through me is always as a free gift. I sometimes cheat with God as well. God, I've got to speak to your people. I don't deserve to have you speak to me. But I know you love them so much. I know you love them so much. So, so, So for their sake, God, speak to me. For their sake, help me out. I strengthen myself in grace. Do some of you need to remind yourself that you simply believe in the grace of God today? Do you need to strengthen yourself in the grace of God today? Do you need to remind yourself that it is but is it a free gift? Because it is critical that we understand that it's by grace if we're going to get what is to come. See, why by grace? Paul says, number one, is so that no one can boast. We're all alike before God. We all needed salvation. We all needed Jesus. There's not one of us who didn't. We all needed him. Because it's as a gift. No one can boast. But also why? Why? Not just so that we can boast. Paul explains it. He says, for we are God's handiwork. He made us. He made us. He brought us to life. It's by grace because it's His work from beginning to end. 
This, work, this word handiwork, if you've got an uh, older version of the NIV, this translation that I'm using, it uses the word workmanship. And it's a word that appears in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, in only one other place. And it's in Romans 1. I'm going to read it to you now. Romans 1 verse 20. And it says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, from God's handiwork, from God's workmanship. So that people are without excuse. I want you to understand the basis of of the good works that we're heading to. You've heard it. I've referred to it. But I want you to understand the basis of where we're going this morning. Okay? God's handiwork. The evidence of God's uh, eternal power and divine nature. The invisible God is expressed powerfully in creation. When you look at incredible mountains and incredible oceans, it points to his eternal power and his divine nature. When you look at incredible forests and when you look at marvelous flowing streams. When my sister was in, 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 in the country a few weeks ago, we took her to Hooker Falls near Taupo. It's just incredible. That waterfall points to the eternal power and the divine nature of God. It just speaks of Him. It's just a display of His splendor. It's a display of His glory. When you look at animals, when you, when you hear the random, like what human would, would honestly come up with the call of a tui? I mean, honestly, it just doesn't make any sense. It just points to the glory of God, that he would just be so creative. Everything in creation points to him. But who's the pinnacle of creation? Who comes right at the end after all has been made? What happens? God creates humanity. God creates you and I as the greatest expression of his eternal power and the greatest expression of his divine nature. Why? Because you are made in the image of God. You're His representative. There's no one in all of creation like you and I. There's no one like humanity. Nothing else has the image of God. It's you and me. We're His representatives. We're His idols. We're the ones who represent Him. We're the ones who look like Him. We're the ones on earth that point to Him. And when God put Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden, He did so as, you are my representatives. But also, He put them there to work. Some of you are thinking, I can't wait for heaven because we won't have to do any work anymore. I hate Monday morning so much. Do you know work came before the fall? Work isn't about sin. Maybe it was made a bit harder by that. We see that in Genesis. But God put Adam to work. There was fruitful labor for him. There was work for him to do. And I want you to see that not only were Adam and Eve God's representatives, the image of God on earth, but their work was in partnership with God. God creates animals and he brings them to Adam. He's like, Adam, what should we call these animals? And Adam's like, okay, we'll call this one a butterfly. And really, a butterfly? That doesn't really make any sense, Adam. And and then he says, no, I won't do that joke. That's all right. I'm just thinking that Adam was probably French, you know, like, like he, when, when God names, the, when, when Adam names it butterfly, you know, and he's like, oh, the French can have papillon. It's a beautiful word, you know. And then to the Germans, he says, ah, 
Yes, yes, you can call it Schmetterling, you know? It just, I feel like Adam's a bit joke. It doesn't work anyway, because that's before Babel and only one language. But anyway, I just find it amusing. But, I want you to, but you'll remember it now, okay? You'll remember it now. I've gone off peace, but Nick's not here. It's okay, I won't get in trouble. And I want you to see that Adam was God's representative. The perfect representation of God on earth. But there was work for him to do in partnership with God, in tandem with God. God saying, your work is meaningful, Adam. I want you to name these animals. I want you to, I want you to work with them. I want you to steward over what I've created. I want you to look after it. I want you to tend to the garden. There was partnership and sin distorts that. The moment sin comes into the world, what happens, instead of walking in in relationship with God and working in partnership with God, we began to go our own way. We began to follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We began to serve ourselves. We began to make sure that we got what we needed. We began to be our own gods and our own people. We followed our own self. We're like, I don't need God. I don't need his kingship. I'm all right. I can do it myself. And so what happens is that not only is us as the, God's representatives being distorted, but our functionality, our work in partnership with God is distorted. So what is God restoring in Christ Jesus? Well, he's restoring us into the image of God. That's why it says more and more into the image of God. as a greater reflection of the image of God. For we have God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you are born again. You're a new creation. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You're created by God. You're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. Before the foundation of the earth, God knew you. God knows your name. God knows everything about you. He's so proud of you. There's not one thing going on that calls that into question. He thinks you're beautiful. He thinks you're incredible. You know the world, the problem with evolution, thinking that we came from just cells, and you know, that is that is that we just think we're just some miracle of matter. You're a creation of the handiwork of God. You're an expression of His eternal power and His divine nature. And in Christ Jesus, He is restoring you as a, as a, as a representative of Him in the world. In your life, by your very nature now, you point to Him. You bring Him glory just by being who He has made you to be. Do you know how incredibly precious you are to him? He rejoices over you with singing. He's so proud of you. You're the apple of his eye. He's never blinked his in, in his attention to you. And maybe there's things going on in your life that you're thinking, is that really true? Strengthen yourself in grace today. Remind yourself of, by grace who he has created you to be in Christ Jesus. But it's inevitable as well, therefore, that God would not only restore us in terms of our representation of him on earth, but he'd also want to restore the works. He'd also want to restore what it is that we're actually called to do. I want you to notice something that gets lost in the English translation of the Bible, because if you don't know, the book of Ephesians was written in Greek. 
And sometimes you get the same Greek word that is translated in two different English words. And so now, Paul says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. To do. It is the same word as we find in verse 2 last week, where we said, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. It's the same Greek word. And it's a word that means conduct. It's a word that means as you go around, the way you live your life. It's the same word as used. I don't know if it's used in New Zealand. It's certainly used in the UK. That Where you have a music teacher that goes from school to school um, teaching music in different places, they're called a peripatetic music teacher. It comes from the same Greek word here. So what Paul is saying is, as you go around, as you live your life, What you used to do was follow the ways of the world, follow the rule of the kingdom of the air, follow yourself, your own sinful nature, getting what you could get. Now, God is causing you, God has recreated you to follow Him as you go around, by your conduct, by your behavior, by the things you do, you are now pointing to God, you're now following Jesus. And so He's... he's, he's, not only saying that we are being restored in, in, in our representation of God, but restoring as we go around in the things we do. And so Paul says not by, um, that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. As you go around, in your conduct, in your behavior, in your life, you're to do good works. So what does it mean? Because good works is this, um, is this really strange term, isn't it? It's loaded. When we say, are you a church that does good works? Are you a Christian that does good deeds? You know, do you, when you see a homeless person, do you, do you, do you give them some money? When, do you, when, when you see somebody without clothes, do you make sure you, you give them clothes? Do you, do you help old ladies across the road? Like, make sure you do that. We're to be people who do good stuff. Yeah, make sure you do the good stuff. But I want you to understand that that is too low of you. So those things can be included in this term, good works, that God has prepared in advance for us to do. But it is too low of you. It is too low. The good works that, that Paul is referring to here is the greatest activity of which you and I are capable. And make no mistake, I've tried to emphasize it this morning, and I'll emphasize it again. It is from beginning to end by grace. Works can refer to just about anything. It's any act or deed or things done. When you see the Pharisees wearing their tassels long and and wearing these boxes on their head, that, that was works. That was a work. When you see a woman in the Bible who, who has this incredible, uh, has this expensive perfume and she breaks it out over Jesus' head, that extravagant worship was a work. When Jesus says to the, to, to, um, to the Pharisees, you, your ancestors killed the prophets, that killing is a, a work. It was an action. It was an activity. When Jesus opens the eyes of the blind, that was a work. And so we understand that works is just about anything that we can do. Any act or behavior can be a work. It's a very broad term. It can be public or private. It can be prideful or humble. It can be quick and momentary. Or it can be hard-lasting, lifelong work. It can be just about anything. The distinctive here is that Paul says these are good works. 
It's not just works. It's not just any odd thing. These are good works. See, works can be evil or they can be good. And so Paul says, what you are created for is good works. So what's good? Well, good, we understand this is, it's not like, you know, where you go, this is sort of below average and average, and then there's good, and then there's very good. And so we get this sort of thing that good is all right, but it's not excellent. Okay? Good is a word that refers to God. Jesus said, only God is good. Only God is good. His will is good. His purposes are good. Everything he thinks and says and does are inherently, intrinsically beautiful, kind, and good. So you cannot hope to accomplish good works unless it's a work of God. I want you to understand that good works are God works. Good works are God works. Let's have a look at Jesus. I've been trying to, um, trying to learn what it means more and more to follow Jesus recently. And so I've stopped reading like, widely in the Bible for a, for a short time to read the Gospels. Because I want to observe Jesus. And when you see, let's have a look at the works that he does. There's this incredible storm on the lake. Such that fishermen are scared for their very lives. And Jesus just says, shh. Just shut up. And the waves are like, oh, okay. Jesus speaks to the blind person. He opens their eyes. He speaks to Lazarus. And he says, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Lazarus has been dead about four days. Out, Lazarus comes from the tomb. These are all the works of Jesus. These are the things that he does. He feeds 5,000 people just with the lunch of a little boy. These are the works of Jesus. These are the things that he does. And when he's asked to explain these works, when he's asked to explain the things he's doing, this is what he says. I want to take you to John 14. This is sort of where we're going to land today. John 14, verse 10 says this, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The works I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Here's the thing. Rather... It is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, look, there is an invisible God. There is an invisible God, but I am like God with skin on. And when I speak to a storm and say, shh, it's actually the work that God is doing through me. I'm just the vessel. I want you to imagine it like this, okay? I know I don't really talk about golf very much. Um, it's just another sport I like to play. He talks about a different sport every week. I know, like, welcome to Jenny's life. Like, wow. <laughs> I want you to imagine that my hand is invisible, Okay? And we understand from Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's like God with skin on. And so when I put on this glove, okay, you might not be able to see my hand, but, but you know from how this glove is moving that there is a hand at work. There is a hand working. And so when Jesus reaches out to heal a leper, for example, and he prays for them, you see the hand move. You see the hand moving because of the, the the way the glove moves. 
When, when Jesus says, shh, to the storm, you understand that you don't go, wow, a glove did that. You know that there's a hand at work. So Jesus is saying, when you see me work, when you see the things I do, know this, those works point to someone. Those works are referring to someone. Those works are there because God is at work and I'm just the vessel through whom they're coming. But now read on, because this is important. I'm going to do Michael Jackson. I'm going to stay in one glove for a while. Okay, let's read from verse 12. I won't dance. That would be bad. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I want you to understand that just as Jesus was the image of the invisible God, just as Jesus was saying, God is at work, there is an invisible hand at work, and I'm like the glove on him. And you can see the work of God because you can see it coming through me. So now you and I, because we came to Christ Jesus, are like a glove. And you might say, what can a glove do? It's just, it's just a glove. But when you came to Christ, God showed up in your life. And he showed up in power. And he showed up in glory. And he showed up in majesty. And guess what? The work that God is doing today, the eyes he wants to open and the storms that need to be calmed, and the people that need to be comforted, and the messages that need to be preached, and the incredible works that need to be established, that yes, feed the hungry, and yes, clothe the naked, and yes, uh, shelter the homeless, and yes, feed the hungry, and yes, preach the gospel. All of these things are works that God is wanting to do. And guess who He wants to do them through today? You and me. The work of God continues and He wants to do it through you and through me. And it blows my mind every time and I don't have time to go into it and I don't really understand it. When Jesus says, and you'll do even greater things. You'll do even greater things. Let me close by telling you what I'm learning. I'm learning that God wants to encourage someone. And he's saying, Simon, this person needs encouraging. Guess who I want to use? Simon, this person needs healing. Guess who I want to use? And he's beginning to open my eyes to the work that he is wanting to do. He's opening my eyes to the things that need doing. And he's saying, Simon, I want to do something through you. I want to use you. Some of you hearing this and going, yeah, you don't know about my glove. My glove's broken. My glove's got holes in it. My glove's too young. My glove's too old. (laughs) And God says, will you let me move in power through you? I'm not asking you to do anything. I just want you to be a vessel of me. You see, one thing I've realized is that um, I'm not, I don't want you to go out of here with a to-do list today. Hey, let's think about all the good works we can do. 
I want you to walk out of here today with a, God, I'm just a glove. God, I've got holes in me. God, I feel like this. I just feel like useless. But if you'll use me, if you think you can use me, here I am. By your spirit, open my eyes to the things all around me. See, if it was a to-do list, if I said, hey, these are the good works, you've got to set up this sort of charity, and, and, and you've got to go and feed this many people. And you, go, you know, some of you will go, well, I physically can't do that. Or I, because of, I've got children, or because I'm, I'm working, or I, I can't do those things. We well, understand that by the Spirit of God, He wants to whisper to you, hey, even in your distress... Even in your circumstance, even in the moments where you think there's no way God could use me right now, he wants to use you as his representative. And he wants to use you in wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, to be a vessel in which his power can come to those around you. That's how we make a difference. That's how we make a difference, just by saying, God, here I am. I'm just a glove. But I know you want to work. And I realize that today, you want to work through me. Can we stand? We're going to worship a little more. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us as a church. And when I'm done, I'm going to give you an opportunity. We're going to have some staff and elders, couples up here. And we're just going to, as we worship, open the floor. And if you want prayer this morning, we'd love to provide that space. You might, um, it might be because it can be any reason. You know you just want somebody to pray for you this morning. You can come up for any and every reason. But particularly, if, what, if it resonated with you, man, I'm God's handiwork. My view of myself is so low. I believe what people are told about me. I believe what I've been telling about me. And we'd love to pray for you. And if you're feeling like God could never use me, or maybe you don't have the confidence or the courage to step into it, Come forward and say, hey, just pray for me. That's me today. I want the courage to step into what it is that God's calling me to. I'm realizing that it's by grace. I'm realizing that it's not about me. It's about putting myself in a place where God can work through me. We pray together. God, thank you so much for your incredible love. Thank you that it's by grace from eternity past to everlasting future. Thank you, God, that you're restoring in us as a church, restoring in us as your people purpose. We used to live for ourselves. We used to point to ourselves. We now have the incredible privilege of living lives that point to you and doing works, doing incredible, powerful works that point to you, God. God, I pray today that you would open our eyes to the things around us. I pray like Paul prayed for the Colossians. Lord God, that you might give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Would you fill us with your spirit today that we might abound in good works, that we might abound in God works. 
if you're here today and you, you said, I've never believed in Jesus, I've never chosen, I've never come to that moment of being a follower of Him, but today you believe in Him. You've heard what I've said, that God died, God sent His Son to die in your place, to forgive you of your sin, but also to restore you into relationship with Him and to give you purpose in partnership with Him. And you're saying, I'm signing up for that. I believe in Jesus and I want to become a follower of Him today. Just with every eye closed in this place, you want to become a follower of Jesus today. Would you just give me a real quick wave? Say, that's me. I'd love to pray for you. Hey, God, I want to thank you for everyone. For any hands that went up and anybody who just wasn't brave enough to put their hand up. God, I thank you that every single person that responds and says, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I thank you, God, that they are a recipient of your incredible love and grace. I thank you that at that moment they become a part of your family and you restore to them purpose in life, to live a life that points to you, to live a life in partnership with you. Thank you, God, that in Jesus there is not just life now, but eternal life. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Hey, if you did respond right there to say, I want to follow Jesus, would you just, I've got a little gift. Uh, We call them I Said Yes Packs. I'd love to give you after the service. Just come and grab one from me. Right now, we're going to worship church. We're going to sing. We're going to respond in any way that you want to right now. And if if you want prayer for any reason, or the reasons I mentioned, would you come and let us minister to you? Let's serve you in prayer this morning. Come on, let's worship Jesus together.